welcome to the soccer podcast where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Let's go. Episode 14. Episode 14. And Anthony. What's going on, everybody? Anthony's coming off the it's still in preseason mode with high school or beginning of the season mode or high school mode. Let's just go high school mode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, high school mode. It's 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 going really, really well. We're uh we're we're coming towards the end of our tryout period here. So we're, we're going to finally see what our team looks like in, in full varsity and JV come Monday. Um, you know, unfortunately we, with this COVID situation, we're going to have to, you know, have some more cuts than we'd like to, but um, you know, overall it's good to see the boys back. They're, they're getting used to the masks and uh, you know, we're pushing forward. We're moving through. That's really good to hear. So overall, I think we're all at that moment where, we it's that October period where you're at like the hump of the fall season. It's like the Wednesday of the fall season where you right. you just gotta just gotta get through Columbus Day, and after that, it's all pretty much like the last couple of weeks, the last month and a half or so. So I feel like we're almost there. We're all yep. going to either River or Wags next week, so that'll be that'll be excited for our teams. So I'm le- looking forward to the next couple of weeks, and I think. Ultimately, I think our teams are now starting to hit a really good stride, which is really important for them right right around this time. Oh, absolutely. I, I just coming off of our last play day last weekend, you know, the boys are really, really coming into their own in the juniors program. The 2011 2012 boys heard some really, really good things from the 2011 2012 girls last weekend. So things are really coming together. I feel like this tournament's at a perfect time for our, our younger age groups. Um, to like really see what we can do to some competition outside of the state. So just like you said, it's, it's, it's this pushing point, but it's also coming at, at a really, really awesome time. And then we can really get into the home stretch of, uh, of the fall season after. Yeah. Well, right. As coach Lou would say, we're at that threshold period, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. I knew Dwayne would like that one. Some of our teams are always at the threshold period. Though. Yeah. Trying to get to that fitness, fitness level. Fitness. That's day. right. Some of our teams don't come below that level, though. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. No, and I think and I saw something that was really cool on Monday nights. Our technical training sessions for the girls have been going fantastic. They're so much fun. Uh, We had music out there on Monday, so it was great, uh, courtesy of Dwayne. So he came in with the the speaker, so that was nice. So one of the things I saw, uh, I didn't put out cones for the girls this week because I wanted to see what they would do. And they all, for the most part, socially distanced themselves, which I thought was was awesome to see because it that means is great. we finally broke through. I'll, I'll I'll tell you something else that's awesome when when you're talking about you know players just showing up and knowing what to do uh, with high school season starting. Both Josh and Josh and I were running a little bit late to the 2012 session. You're talking seven and eight year olds, and as we got there, they weren't shooting on goal. They weren't doing anything. They were just playing rondo. And for seven and eight year olds to just pick up a ball and play Rondo instead of shoot on open goals when they got, uh, you know, a full field of space and they can just run wild for them to show up. And that's what they were doing. It was awesome to see. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of credit on that because I got them. I got them set up in a Rondo because I knew I knew I knew both of you were going to be running close to to practice time because of high school. So I, I pulled the boys in and I was like, hey you know what a rondo is and um i think it was justin and tucker looked at me and they're like no and i was like all right do you know what keep away is they're like yeah i was like all right same thing 
like, all right, cool. So oh, I got them. No. So I, I got them. Both. They so did it on but but I will. But here, but again, I'm only taking a little bit of credit because I gave them very minimal minimal instruction, and they were like, "Well, sometimes we play in one touch," and I was like, "No, I want you to play in two touches, like play in the two touch in a two touch mm-hmm. rhythm." I mean, they did it, and they were good with it. And after that, I kind of like Josh got there shortly after, and they were they were on their own, so they were so very minimal instruction from me, just to kind of rein them in. But I only I I only saw five of them, so. And I know there's more than five kids on that team. So as kids came in, they all kind of jumped into the Rondo. So credit go the majority of the credit goes to them, though. Right. I have right. my money on was those two guys right there. Just set that up. Yep. Yep. They're they're two, and it's not just those two. There's there's a bunch of kids. Their soccer IQs are out of this world for seven and eight year olds. It's it's really awesome to see. Yeah, I had the opportunity to watch you guys during the play day, and that group right there, uh, their first game. The way they just attacked Sebastian, it almost looked like when the girls got scored on against Smyrna, like that's how they were attacking the first half of that game. And I was like, I had to look back and say, man, these kids are only seven and eight. Like the future is really bright for that group. That's awesome. Sure is. I love it. No, that's great. That's fantastic. All right. So today with us, we have Eileen Ascolis, the Ursinus College women's soccer head coach. Coach, how are you? Thanks for coming on today. Good morning, Sebastian. Thanks for having me. I am well. We are in our little makeshift soccer season, so can't complain too much. Thank you. We're really excited to have you on, mostly because we had uh, one of your goalkeepers, who was one of our former uh, Delaware Union players, on the podcast last week. So, And I reached out to you because, uh, first of all, I met you a couple of months ago, Mm -hmm. and I thought, I was like, all right, so... I know that's your sinus coach. I know that's the coach that recruited Mo. Uh, so I want to make sure I introduce myself because I'm very happy that Mo found a really good place and a really good school to go to. But I want to make sure I'm not like, first of all, like we're in the middle of the pandemic. Like it's hard to come up to people. But I was like, coach, 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 uh, you're the your sinus coach, right? And you said, yeah. I was like, oh, hey. I, and you were absolutely the nicest person in the world considering I'm a complete stranger. Uh, so I just want to say thank you because to me, those are the moments that that make the soccer experience worth it for everybody. Uh, so I just want to say thank you for that part because I haven't gotten to say that yet. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for thanks for approaching me. We're super excited about having Maddie on the program. So it's always nice to kind of see the the connection and and where she, you know where she came from, right? Like the soccer piece before the sinus piece. So really appreciate you coming up to me that day at uh, uh, at USTC. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going into your fourth season at our mm-hmm. sinus. So how was the season in 2019? How was, yeah. how would you, how would you recap it? Yeah. So, um, you know, and unlike a season that I have had before as, as a coach, um, and I've, and I've been around the block at this point. So we, you know, we struggled, we really struggled and you're going to see that in terms of results. We came out hot. We had a, you know, we started season really, really strong really pleased with our, our, you know, the product we were putting on the, on the field, but you know, we, you know, we hit some roadblocks along the way, some injuries, a couple of bad bounces, but the bottom line is, is we didn't necessarily bounce back. There wasn't the resiliency. There wasn't the ability to overcome um, what was thrown at us. And that's across the board. That's not just player wise. Right. So we, you know, we, we did what we could with what we had and credit my players for for coming out every day and, and trying to, you know, put the train back on the rails. And, you know, 
but it wasn't a season that I think any, it's not the season any of us predicted. It's not the season that any of us look back and, and, and can look at it with a lot of pride, but at the same time, uh, such a learning experience for all of us, myself included, players, obviously, staff, everything. So you got to find the silver lining when, when there's failure. And I am so impressed with how the team went into the offseason, the mentality going into our spring season, which that we, you know, unfortunately didn't get to, to have. But the summer and, and, you know, what they were doing over the summer in preparation for what was a hopeful fall season uh, not the case at the moment. Um, hopefully we're shifting to something in the spring, but at the same time, my team is training right now. I'm seeing them three days a week, couple kids extra who, who want to do some group stuff, but you know, they were reflective and they were accountable and, and the shift in mindset in the off season was just, I'm so proud of that. And, you know, hopefully I can be better for them going forward. And the reflection that I've done and the and the, the shift in mindset that I've had myself. And hopefully we put this train back on the rails as I think we are very much capable of doing. And, you know, we look forward to hopefully being able to, to bounce back and, and play, the, play the way that we know that we actually are capable of playing here, hopefully in the spring. Well, I think it's interesting that you said the, the fact that during the off season, even though it wasn't the season that you expected to have, the, in the off season, it was a lot of reflection, which I think everybody... Mm-hmm everybody had, I mean, ultimately we all had months at yeah. home or, or as a team and, and we did it as a, at the, at the youth level, we reflected and created some goals. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that that's something that came out of this. Cause I think that there's, and you said it, that you got to find the server lining in, and I think that's extremely important. So what are the, what are some of the goals or what are some of the things you're looking forward to when the 2020, 2021 season kicks off? Sure. Sure. We're, we're, I mean, as an entire group, we're just looking forward to getting back on the field and competing right? And, and producing a good brand of soccer that we're proud of and a brand of soccer that, that shows up on the scoreline that, because the bottom line is when we're at our best, which we need to be at all the times, obviously, right? We can play and we can compete. And, and you've seen that and you saw that in 2019, but so for us, uh, you know, we've got some pretty specific goals. Um, the players themselves, do goal setting for us every single spring. We shifted that process a little bit, altered the process, but we still, you know, we still produced goals for the 2020, now possibly 2021 season. And, you know, that's, that's, can we, you know, uh, some pretty specific things. Can we, can we deny set pieces, right? Can we convert set pieces, some stat goals, right? Like, saves against, uh, or I'm sorry, saves, you know, goals against things like that. Um, the kids put together some goals about like, when are we going to put the ball in the back of the net time limit goals, things like that. Right. Um, and obviously just overall record goals in conference out of conference, but when you come right down to it, can we mix in nine new dynamic freshmen to the, you know, the style of play, the principles of play that we put forward that we believe in as a program And then can we, you know, can we turn that into really, really productive soccer that wins those games? Right. No, absolutely. So I think it's interesting. You you mentioned the fact that, you know, can you, can we apply the principles and the the style of play that you're looking for? So when it comes Mm -hmm. to the student athletes, what do you look for from a recruiting perspective? What's the, the next or sinus college or student athlete? What is, what does that player look like to you? Sure. I actually just got asked this question last week. 
Um, so there's two sets here, right? You're looking as a coach recruiting wise, you're looking at the tangible qualities, right? The stuff that makes soccer players um, competitive, right? But that, that, you know, you, that's going to take them to be, to be impactful college soccer players, right? So the, so that's the easy stuff, right? That's the technical ability. Can you play with both feet? Can you strike a ball, right? Can you play out of the air? That's the tactical piece. Do you have positional understanding, positional awareness? Are you engaged? Can you, can you see the play in front of you? That type of stuff, right? The physical piece, right? Can you, are you athletic? Are you strong? Can you get stronger? That type of stuff. Um, the mentality, obviously we know this, right? The, the right, the right kind of mentality to go in there and play your best soccer, but then also the intangible qualities that, that I think are needed for our relationship coach player to be, to be a solid one, right. To be, to be one that at the end of the day, we're comfortable with each other. We, you know, you can have a conversation with me, right? You're upbeat, you're personable. I'm a high energy person. I am a high energy coach, right? Is that something that you feel as the recruit, as a youth soccer player? Is that going to make you better? Is that not going to make you better? Am I, am I hindering you, right? But it's finding people who I'm compatible with, players who are compatible with me, right? And so, you know, it's, it's pretty holistic. It's not just the soccer piece. Are you going to help my team win games? It's the, are we going to be able to have a conversation? Are you intrinsically motivated? Are you, are you, are you just, you know, positive? Can you, can you keep going when things get rough? So, um, because at the end of the day, the hope here is that you're coming to our sinus and you're making a, my soccer program better, right. And B you're making our sinus as a community better. And you're walking away having, having, you know, taken experiences from both that you're better for it at the end of the day too, right? So just the overall fit for her sinus um, is always on my mind as I'm, you know, evaluating soccer games and players individually. That is, uh, I will tell you that that is one of the, that's it's a fit, not only a fantastic response, but also something that it, it does really click as to, and we'll use Maddie as the example because she came from Delaware Union. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because, uh, that's what we we talk about at Delaware Union. We look at the the player as an individual, and our ultimate goal is to to help players achieve their best potential as a soccer player, whether that's at the recreational level, travel level, get them to college, get them just beat. But the ultimate goal is to make them better human beings. And ultimate, when we have the avenue of soccer, soccer is our lane that we that we try to do that through. So that is it, it's great to hear that from a college program because. I think especially the division three level, that's so important because mm-hmm. you're, you are relying on the pursing and the commitment of it because it's an entire, it's a full circle experience. Cause at the end of the day, you know uh, there's no athletic scholarships at, at the division three level. So you're looking at players that are academically at times, academically driven, I would assume. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that has to do with, with the full player you're looking at, not only I love the fact I, the one thing that I really that really stood out to me was the fact that you just said that you're a high energy coach and mm-hmm. does that fit in for you as a player? Because I don't think that that's not something that everybody thinks about. No, uh, because it it, do, it does make a difference. Like if you were if you were used to a program where the coaching style was not necessarily super upbeat, it was more just like low key kind of do your own thing. It can be completely different you know, shift, which I think is, is sometimes, especially as an adjustment from youth soccer into college. Mm. So right. 
I was looking at your history uh, mm-hmm. before and something that stuck out to me was the fact that how academically driven and how academically successful your programs have been in the past. How important is that for you? And what do you do as a coach to drive the academic piece? Sure. I have been um, pretty fortunate in my travels um, as a college coach to get myself to where I am today. I was um, I coached at some pretty renowned universities across the country and um, very different types of universities as well. And that um, I have such pride in that. I really, really do to, to sit here and say I was at this school, this school, this school. And, and those players are doing incredible things and being incredible citizens and producing um, just incredible work. So I think a lot of pride in that. And our sinus is no different. There's no question about that. So at the end of the day, here's, here's the bottom line, right? That your degree says where you got your college, where, where your degree is from, right? Like where you went to college. It doesn't say I played division one soccer. It doesn't play. I say I played division two soccer. It doesn't say that I played division three soccer. Your degree is saying I got an education from this institution. And the hope is that that institution prepared you to take on the real world, right? Because for the next 40, 45 years of your life, you're working. So that's just, you know, you got to keep that in the back of your mind as a coach, right? That this, the soccer itself can be such an impactful positive experience. It can be the other way too, you know, can't, can't ignore that. Right. But at the end of the day, you're, you got to get out of this college with a degree, with an education and then tackle the real world. And the soccer part of it can teach you so many important qualities to, to, to be a productive employee, right. Time management, ability to focus, ability to prioritize, right. Working in teams, things like that. But at this, you know, but at the same time, like you got to know what you're doing. So the academic piece has to be the priority across the board. It has to be the priority. And I tell you that as someone who played division one college soccer, right. For four years, I still had to prioritize there. I had to put my academics first. It should be the focus, no matter where you are, D1, D2, what D3 type of school you're at. Um, You know, bottom line is that the soccer, the soccer unfortunately ends. And Now you got to go into the next 40, 45 years of your life, ready to do the job. Right. So it's, it's always the priority. It's always the priority. And it takes a lot of time as a coach to, to, to wrap your head around that. I'm not going to say that it's easy to, 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 you know, recognize that, but at the same time, like we're doing a service to our players and the bigger picture is that they're, that they're focusing on school academics, classes, getting getting the content that they need to go into the to the workforce that's good that's a, that's really good and uh that's that's awesome i love the fact that that's a that's a key component of your program so if so i'm going to ask you for your advice now so yeah. if, if i have to ask you for for advice is it's what can we do as club coaches to prepare players to be in a better position when they get to the college soccer part of it what can we do sure um appreciate the sentiment can't can't ignore that right that is you know I'm so so grateful of that mindset I would selfishly say that um I would love to see more club coaches more high school coaches be be more knowledgeable about division three you know I'm in my own little world over here and my focus is division three women's soccer and I think that there are at times 
there's the the notion that division three isn't as worthy division three isn't as of of as much value as d1 d2 and i just I, that's hard for me to swallow because I, I do get to look at it from two different lenses. I get to look at it as a 15-year Division Three women's soccer coach and a four-year Division One soccer player. Um, but the bottom line is that, as we said earlier, and Sebastian, you know, I appreciate your thoughts on this as well, but the reality is for the four years that someone's going to play college soccer, you hope that they're going to find the right fit for them that covers everything from the college process, right? So my hope ultimately for club coaches, for high school coaches is to, is to, to educate about the differences across the divisions, which really is minimal when you get into the nitty gritty of it all. Um, but to, to recognize that division three has such worth, such value um, from the soccer side of things, right? I'm going to tell you that some of the, I mean, I've coached competed against some of the best division three women's soccer teams, women's soccer coaches, and they're just as good as some of the, you know, D2, D1 teams. I think we get so stuck, so stuck in the tag. And like I said before, your degree from your college doesn't say that you were a student athlete. It doesn't say that you played D1, D2, D3, right? So for me, it's overall just like, educating about division three, but, but pushing players to find the right fit, right. To take the right steps to know if this college is where you can spend the next four years of your life. And at the end of the day, I just said this the other day, at the end of the day, if soccer is taken away from you, whether you chose to, you know, step away, whether I chose for you to step away, whether injury occurs, life happens, you know, unfortunately those things are all reality at this level. Are you going to be happy at Ursinus? Are you going to be happy at the school that you made, that you chose, that, that decision that you made? Or are you going to say, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, and now I have to leave? And there's nothing wrong with transferring. It's always an option. It should, it's always in your back pocket if you're not happy, right? But I think in this day and age, decisions are being made when players, families, are not as prepared or as in the know about where they're going. And it, when they get there and it's not what they expected it to be, you know, you know, you have to start the process over and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, it should be about the fit because, you know, you're there again for the degree. So again, I mean, all, all long winded answer is can, can we educate a little bit more about maybe division three? Can we be a little bit more in the know about uh, what division three stands for? But at the same time, can we continue to urge players and families to look for that fit, to look for that fit? Where are they going to be happy? Where are they going to thrive, not survive? Where are they going to thrive, right? Where are they going to get, you know, the best holistic experience across the board in the four years that they're, that they're there? So, so oftentimes that means responding to those that are interested in you, right? It's this coach is interested in you. Why don't you take a look? Why don't you take a look right. at what they have to offer? This, this school is interested in you. Take a look at what they have to offer because you don't know until you've been on that campus and you've had conversations with, with coaches. Don't make a decision before, before you go through that process with those who are interested in you. All right, so we're going to dive into the other part of the interview where we find out more about you specifically as a coach. Okay. So how did you get started in coaching soccer in general? Sure. So um, – I'm, I'm basically a soccer addict when you come right down to it. This is flowing through my blood and has since I was a kid. So 
I had, Sebastian, the most incredible experience as a college student athlete. And it was, you know, it was, it was all ups, downs, good, bad. I mean, it wasn't like this smooth sailing. It was incredible across the board. No, I had my, my obstacles and my hurdles, but at the end of the day, like looking back on it, I, it just, it was just such a life changing experience for me. And what it comes down to is that I picked the right school. I picked the right school. I had a coaching change. I played a totally different position. I played, I started, I sat the bench. I didn't get any minutes, you know, I went through the whole gamut. But at the end of the day, I found the right place for me for those four years of my life, which are such a pivotal time when you're that age, right? And so I got into coaching because I wasn't ready to give up the game. I was lucky. I graduated. I had a little bit of soccer, you know, a little WPSL stuff. I uh, did a sky blue tryout, you know, but it came, it came clear that my actual competitive soccer career uh, was not going to last a whole lot longer than my four years of college soccer. So the natural progression for someone who's unwilling to give up the game is let's, let's get into coaching. And at that point, you know, when you're, you know, you do a little bit here and there, little kids camps, things like that as a college soccer player. Right. Um, but I, you know, I pretty much dove into it a year out of college after I recognized that my playing career was, was not going to go any further than that, that one year. And, um, I went up, I, I've gone up the ladder. I think I've done it, you know, almost as traditional as you can do, which is I got my first job and was a grad assistant in upstate middle and uh, central, central New York, Finger Lakes area, grad assistant, two years, got my master's degree in education from there, took a two year internship. Um, I started at Elmira college. That was my grad assistantship. And then from there, a two-year internship at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI in the uh, Albany, New York area. Did that for two years, um, learned a lot during that period of time. From there, went to Brandeis University, was a full-time assistant coach because I was also the equipment manager for the, for the athletic department. Okay. Did that, um, had some really good success in that program as an assistant, and then took my first head coaching job at, a, at Alfred University, which we chatted about, yeah. um, a program that had you know, had, had been struggling for quite a while and kind of got my footing as a head coach there and learned a whole lot about myself. Uh, put a lot of those, put those previous six years into play um, and really grew and learned and had great leadership uh, in my athletic department there. And from there um, took me to Ursinus where I've been for four years. So, I mean, talk about like the ladder of, yeah. of 10 years to get to Ursinus. Um not overnight success by any means and still so much growth and so much learning and so much, you know, to, to do individually here, to be a good coach, to be an even better leader for my teams. But that's the, you know, that's the, the process and the progress in a nutshell. Great. So um, we asked this question mostly because we know that soccer coaches uh, <laughs> generally have to do other things outside of being soccer coaches in order mm -hmm. to be able to survive as a human being yeah. uh, in this world. So uh, and we, the, the, the idea of the question started and ultimately it's taken off because Dwayne, who's on the podcast here, uh, worked at uh, Abercrombie for two days. Uh, oh. Hollister. I wasn't Hollister. Sorry. Hollister. Hollister. For, to worked at Hollister for two years and, or two days. Sorry. Two days and uh, realized it wasn't for him. So we want to know what coaching, what job outside of coaching soccer have you maybe had that 
maybe it's a little bit different. Or if you haven't, that's fine. Any any job that maybe you that you want to talk about uh, outside of outside of the soccer world. Ah, this is awesome. Um, so I told you, out of college, I did I did like the playing stuff, right? Yep. But you're not making any money doing that. That is for sure. So I went to college. And I um, majored in television production with the thought, you know, like, can I get into the, you know, sports broadcasting? That's yeah. thing, right. Can I, can I, before the coaching crept into my mind, like, can I be in soccer in that capacity? Right. And so directly out of college, I graduated on a Friday. I moved home to my parents on Friday and I started working in the television field uh, the following Monday. So I worked on a television show for PBS about outdoor living, gardening, outdoorsy stuff um, in Rhode Island, commuted from Massachusetts to Rhode Island, wow. school in New Jersey, New Englander here, um, and did that for about the five months it took to film the show. So the production filming aspect of this PBS television show, outdoor living, gardening television show. And then um, when we wrapped up filming the show, the production aspect of the show, I took a new job after that and worked in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, commuted from Massachusetts to Hartford, Connecticut. Wow. And worked uh, for their their Connecticut's uh, public affairs television state uh, station in the post-production aspect, I did a lot with closed captioning and, and things of that nature and did that for, I think about seven months or so, if I'm remembering correctly, way back in the day. And um, during my time at this television station was when I started applying for grad assistant jobs to get into coaching. At the same time, like I said, I was doing some stuff with WPSL. I'd had yeah. a tryout, uh, did not make the team clearly. Uh, did not deserve to make the team either. Um, and, uh, you know, but worked in television really immediately out of graduating uh, from Ryder University in 2006 and did that for about a year. And then starting in 2007, that was my first college season at Elmira College and have done nothing but coaching uh, in the days since then. Awesome, though. That's that's pretty cool, though. That's the first time <laughs> we've had somebody work in the television world. So I, I like that. I really like that. Uh, yeah, maybe I it's think, a fallback somewhere down the line. We'll see. I don't. Which think I think, which I think, I think there's a correlation between your uh, your TV production days and the fact that how uh, awesome your or Sinus social media oh. is. I think so. I think. Listen, Thank you. you I, I, I'm telling everybody right now. Go go follow or W Soccer on Instagram. Oh. Not only do they post some pretty cool stuff, they highlight their players. Um, you want to talk about socially distant social media? Oh. That is, you guys are at the top of that list of how good that can be. Because uh, you're setting the right example. Because we talk about it. Dwayne and I talk about this all the time. If you're going to post stuff on social media, you got to be smart about it. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's the first representation of your program that you have. So ultimately, if, if there are rules in place, you have to follow them. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that you're showing that you're following them is, is important. So. Thank you. Stay tuned, Sebastian. I um, I took some killer video of Ma of Maddie yesterday that I think you're is just got to find the right time to post it. But it is it's funny. 
Awesome. Know? Oh, I love it. I love it. Stay tuned. It's coming. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure, make sure you go follow, follow or sign as college women's soccer on Instagram. Thank you. Um, all right. So who are your three favorite soccer players? Awesome. Um, so favorite across the board is, is a woman named Aya Miyama. She is a, a retired Japanese national uh, player, national team player. She was you know, central midfielder, just smooth, composed, dynamic, uh, elevated, elevated the game. Japanese, you know, the Japanese women's national team has had tremendous success uh, over the last decade or so. She, like I said, she has since retired, um, but I just, you know, she was always the player. She's a little bit younger than me, but watching her just saying like, this is, this is who I want to emulate. This is the player that, that drives the game. This is the player that makes a difference. She's the engine, but she's also, you know, she's the, you know, she's the architect as well. So undoubtedly, no question about it. Aya Miyama from Japanese national team, um, always really, you know, would, would be remiss if I didn't say the impact that someone like Abby Wambach had on me, uh, a little bit older than me. So able to, you know, to watch her on the national team, right? Aya Miyami was not someone I got to watch a ton of because you're not seeing Japanese women's right. team games, but at the same time, you know, you're getting to watch, you know, the women's, our women's national team, um, particularly in that era of, of, you know, Pia Sundagi, which is one of my, who is one of my favorite coaches. Um, but Abby is also someone that I spent time at Alfred University in the Rochester, New York area. I spent time at Elmira College in the Rochester, New York area, and she's a Rochester native. So you get to learn a lot more about her when you're encountering people who know her. I also have come across some people in my path, um, in my travels that, that played against her. And so to just kind of hear those younger stories of when she was at Florida and when she was, you know, you know, coming up the ranks and this woman's great type of type of attitude on the field you can't you can't not love that plus her advocacy that she has been doing for the last yeah. years since she retired is just you know you can't you know I can't be a woman in this field or a woman in this world without being so grateful for the message and her voice and what she's been trying to do um since she retired from the game and then obviously on the men's side like can't can't be remiss from my all my all-time favorite men's player which is Andrea Pirlo who to me is like the male version of Ayamiyama, you know, the professor, the maestro. So like, just, just, you know, absolutely adore him, obviously excited to see the coaching side of things with him and where he's going to take Juventus, but, um, you know, have a lot of Italian pride with the last name, like Ascalis. So <laughs> watching, watching Pirlo, you know, be the professor, be the maestro, be everything that he is. And, you know, just, you know, loved him growing up, still love him and hope that he has the utmost success um, as he, you know, embarks on this exciting coaching career of his. Yeah. And he's going to play Barcelona. Oh my God. Can you play, believe it? Play two games in Barcelona, two games against Barcelona. So that's going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. All right. So if you had to coach a different sport, what would it be? Cause so far, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm really looking forward to this answer. Yeah. I don't think I have one. Like, I'm as one dimensional as you come when it comes to like, like loving soccer. So, uh, you know, I have played as intramural, as recreational as you can get volleyball and, um, love, love it, love it. So I guess, I mean, I guess volleyball, while I know nothing of the sport and have never played it at any type of, you know, 
even intermediate level, but I, I really, really enjoy watching it. Um, I enjoyed playing it when I did. So, you know, I guess volleyball, but talk about one dimensional on my <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. Volleyball. I, I like that. All right, cool. All right. So a three, five, two or a four, three, three. Yeah. So um, what I can tell you is not a three, five, two. Okay. Um, I think that you have to have in, in the women's game, in the women's college game, I think you got to have the completely correct personnel to be able to do this. And in the women's game, at least the women's college game and, you know, um, professional level too, you're seeing um, four, three, three, so, so frequent. So, you know, it's hard for me to say a three, five, two, when, when oftentimes you're, you're, you know, lining up to play against a four, three, three. And I just think, you know, you think about those poor goalkeepers of the world. Right. Um, But so yeah, would I say a four, three, three? Sure. I'm much more though of like a clog up the midfield type of gal. So we here at Ursinus have done, you know, four, four, two, little diamond in the midfield, kind of a little Brazilian box, not, not up our alley at the time. Um, so, you know, if I had to say it, like if I had to give you a true answer, yeah, I'd say a four, three, three, because I can, I can kind of, you know, morph that into what I think of as a four, four, two with a diamond, clog it up in the midfield, withdraw number nine type of thing, right? Like tell that 10 that they can flow, they can, they can, they can cover ground type of thing. So I love, man, I'm telling you, I love clogging up the midfield Four four midfielders in there. If you can figure that out four, two, three, one, if you really want to, you know, get a little defensive on it, but you know, I, if I had to answer, I guess a four, three, three. Uh, we Dwayne and I, Dwayne and I do like a good four, four, two with the, oh. with the diamond in the middle. We, we I do, did. we do like a four, four, two. We, we play that quite a bit. That is the, no question. My favorite undoubtedly. Uh, but you don't see it, you know? So you don't see it a whole lot, no. Finding the time to teach it, to coach it, to get kids on board. But I got to tell you, like, that is that is my go-to if, you know, when when time allows for it. No question. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last one. Last question. Yeah. All right, so we got five minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. You're up one nothing. Do you go for that second goal or are you parking the bus? We are undoubtedly getting numbers behind the ball. Low pressure, no question. When you asked this of Maddie the other day, I said, this kid better not say that we are going. <laughs> this kid better say we're dropping behind the ball. I'm not necessarily going to use the term parking the bus. It's floating through my head. Don't, 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 no doubt about that. But I am, I mean, I love low pressure. We teach low pressure every year in preseason. It's a go-to for us um, in certain moments, right? In certain scenarios. I am 100% we're dropping deep and we are forcing them to, to have to be pretty amazing, pretty creative, pretty individualized on the ball. If we're looking to hold a lead, um, hold on to a tie. Like, let's be honest, points are important too, right? One point is important. Um, so I am, and I've always been like this. I am a, like, we're, we're getting behind the ball and we are not pressing, you know, let's hold on to lead or hold on to that point. Sounds good. I like it. Uh, I like, mm. and I like the fact that you're teaching how to do the low press. That's, that's oh, most important. I love it. Four, four, two, low pressure. Like you, like I just gave anyone listening. You're going to play me. You're gonna play- <laughs> there you go. There it is. Right. There it is. That's how you can scout me. And that's how you can prepare to play again. <laughs> but I will, I will tell you um, at the 99 level, I had somebody who granted they were beating me by a couple of goals in uh, 99 had went to the, they went to a low press. Yeah. And my team had no idea what to do. It's so hard. My my team, my team looked at me like, wait, hold on. They're letting us build out of the back. Yeah. And they're letting us get to midfield. 
Yeah. And I was like, yeah, pull it in behind them because they're also trying to defend in 20 yards. Yeah. Like they were trying to low press from like center circle to center circle. So, mm-hmm. so now granted it became, we couldn't, re- they, the girls couldn't realize it, that they were, what they were doing, but they were like, wait, like it almost became confusing to them. The fact that like they were getting so much time in space. They're like, what do we do with this much time in space? Yeah. So that's it, like, right? Like it's hard to break it down. Low block. It's hard to, it's hard to penetrate. That's exactly it. Play it over the top and, and, Played over the top, my goalkeeper is ready to play to to scoop up that ball that you're trying that yeah. you play or or any of my back line, right? It is hard to break down if you certainly the first couple of times you see it, right? Go ahead and shift the ball in front of us all day. That's fine. We'll sit here and we'll conserve energy. And then if we need to break out, we're in a pretty good place to break out and we can break out in numbers. But yeah, sit behind the ball. I like it. All right. <laughs> well, thanks, coach, so much for coming in today. I think uh I learned a lot. Uh, I know I want to make sure uh, you and I stay in touch because I think you and I have a lot in common and I feel like we would get along really well. And I wish you and Ursinus the best of luck this season when you're finally able to come onto the field into your first game. I know I'm making it a point to make sure I go watch one of your games and I hope that at some point uh, when things clear up a little bit more, I can maybe come watch a practice or so uh, or two. That way I can learn because that's, that's ultimately what it's about. So That's it, right? And really and- appreciate it appreciate the the time um uh the relationship that we are building the the fact that you were so instrumental in maddie maddie in maddie coming to play for me um we are thrilled to have her thrilled to have a connection with delaware and delaware union so um thank you so much this was a fun this is fun good little friday morning so that's right um, appreciate it hope that you guys um keep doing what you're doing in in the sport because we're better because of, of coaches like you guys thank you so much All right, moving on to our segment that we started talking about last week, which I'm really excited about. I put a lot of thought into mine, uh, and I know Dwayne and Anthony did as well. So we are coming up with our starting 11 for what we think our 2021 U.S. men's national team, because there is nothing, nothing's really going to happen in 2020 now. So 2021 men's national team starting 11, what we think they should do or at least the are starting 11 with some subs as well in there so who wants to go first well i'm assuming that a lot of us have similar ideas yeah so right so i brought in the full camp i brought in 30 guys you brought oh in my goodness oh my goodness i i i would say like where would we think there's going to be differences like I, I think we all agree that stefan is the keeper i think the I think back so. line and yeah, I think the back four were all alike. And then the midfield, I think, is kind of an attacking is kind of I know attacking wise, we definitely start to branch off into different Okay. Yeah. All right. So, well, if, all right, so let's do this. So let's so I think we can all agree we all have a back four. Like we I think we're all absolutely. no one we're none of us are playing with five or three in the back, right? I would think correct. I think at this point we all agree, and I think we all agree that Zach Steffen should be the starting goalkeeper. Uh, yes for perfect all right perfect we all agree there great all right so who is your right back so let's go number two who's your right back right now Dwayne who's your who's your right back Reggie Cannon Reggie Cannon all right so I think we're gonna we're gonna have some inconsistencies Uh, okay all right a little bit more I mean I I I went with Sergio Dest Sergio Dest yeah Sergio Dest yeah I mean um just as a 19 year old, he's already got three caps 
I think you just continue to build on it. Um, and, and he's playing at a high level with Barcelona now. And it is, uh, I just think he slides in there and in my formation, I got three in the middle, so he can really get involved in the attack. So, you know, that, that that's my choice for the, uh, right back. Yeah. I went with Sergio Des as well. I think he, obviously, I think he's has the ability to play on both sides, but at the same time, I think, Having him as a as a right back, I think gets you and my my and we can well we'll go we'll talk our, we'll talk about our subs there in a second. So, all right, I'm going with with my, my right center back. I'm going John Brooks. Um, yep. probably the more experienced of the bunch in the in my eleven. Um, oh, yeah. I think John Brooks can bring the leadership into that. In in my eleven, he holds the most caps with thirty eight. Okay. Right. It's John Brooks. I think we're all unanimous. Yeah, perfect. got it. He's he's got the experience back there. All Let's right. See. So I, I I think we all might have gone this way too. I went Mark McKenzie as the five. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I think it's his his driver's seat. I mean, someone else has got to come in and prove him wrong. There's some other guys that can. But I think right now he's in the driver's seat. Well, I think Anthony so has a different, different I, view. I and and I I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a single person in this podcast that likes Mark McKenzie more than I do. Um, from a personal level, I chose to go with Chris Richards because he still doesn't have his senior cap, and watching him play the limited amount of time in quarantine that I saw with no fans and stuff when he was called up to Bayern Munich's top team. He was flawless. Uh, again, you're talking Bayern wasn't playing the greatest competition, uh, but he was flawless. He's 20 years old. Mark's not going anywhere. Mark, we know what Mark is, and he's the number one guy, you know, as my substitute. Um, I just chose to go with Chris Richards. Uh, I think that he is um, – I, I think he's probably the future. Him and Mark are both the future, but I think, I think Chris Richards – in the competition that he's playing right now uh, suits him to, to do really, really well as a 20 year old on, uh, on the national team. He's got some good center backs that he's in training with too. Like he's got yeah. some world class. Like he is learning, right? Oh, for sure. Like, when you're behind Jerome Boateng, like he's been, every, like he's won a world cup champions league. Like he's been there for a while. So he's behind a really good center back. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was the toughest decision. Mark, Mark or Chris. Uh, and ultimately I, I went with Chris, but um, could easily what, about be Mark. Our, what about our left back? I went with Sam Vines just because he has a little bit more experience. There's not a whole lot of left backs out there. Left backs is probably, again, I think we talked about it earlier in one of the early episodes. If you're trying to find something to really focus on, be a left back or a goalkeeper, and you'll be, you'd be kind of right, right, about, right alley there. So I'm going Sam Vines. He's uh, been doing well for, for Colorado, so I think he's going to be able to be able to play there. Go with Serginho, Des. I'll put him on the left side. Reggie, I'll have the right side. Um, yeah, left back was definitely the hardest position spot to fill. Because I mean, like we're trying to get out with the old. I mean, I think Demarcus Beasley may be able to still run that left flank at his old age, but we're getting rid no, of going no, young, right? We're going young. Yeah, and I, I went with uh, DeAndre Yedlin. I misspoke when I came to Caps with Brooks. Um, Yedlin, I put, I put there just because I felt like. He's young enough. It, it, it's either him or Guzan is like the leaders and Guzan I have as a substitute, you know, again, just to provide some leadership and, 
and um, a, a player that maybe the guys can look to. Yedlin plays, you know, in 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 Europe. He's been playing in Europe for a long time. Yeah. Um, is he the future? Probably not. But for if I was putting a team out there right now, I probably want him on my squad. Yeah, I have him. I have him in as a sub. I have him as a sub. Justin Glad and Julian Araujo as our as my other my three subs kind of in the back and DeAndre Edlin allows me to be able to either play Dest on the left and him on the right or, or switch it back and forth. So, right. Um, all right. So I think we, we have a decent, I think all of us have a decent center back or our, our back line. I think we can, we can live within our confines of our back. I, line. I think, yeah, I think we all have Sergio Dest somewhere in there, which is important. Three out of the four is, yep. is not bad there or two out of the four is not bad. And all every, right. everyone 27 or younger. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I you said Brad Guzan at some point, so don't. well, Brad Guzan, he could be the Brad, goalkeeper coach. Brad Guzan's well, your goalkeeper I, I got coach. Him at, I got him as a backup. It's a goalkeeper backup coach. to Stefan. He's a warm up coach. He's a warm up. Yeah. Uh, Emergency. You know, you, you know how bands travel with uh with somebody that like does the mic checks for for everybody and like the the drummers have a, their own like drum up like drummer like that's what Brad Guzan can do. He can warm up the gloves. At this point, that's it. We need. I, I needed one player over the age of thirty. Okay, I chose it to be the backup keeper. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> so I think at this point, uh, so we're going in the midfield. So I went in a four-three-three, just something simple and straightforward. That, and I know, I think Dwayne was trying to go in a four-two-three-one kind of mentality. Uh, what are you thinking, Anthony? What, what's your? Uh, I went. I went with. Uh, uh, four three three, kind of like a uh, triangle in the middle with like a traditional six, an eight, and and a ten. Okay. All right. So who is so? All right. So I went. My three in the middle are Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, and Brendan Aronson. Now Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams can basically serve both roles as a six and an eight at the same time. Uh-huh. So it's an interchangeable. I'm the same same way with you there. Yep, I did the same exact thing. Yeah, so uh, and and I think Brandon Aronson should be the number ten of this team because again, at, at a certain point, he can also serve as an eight too. So, uh, okay, yeah, maybe. Um, or if I, he doesn't serve as an eight, he can, like, what I'm in my head, I went with the ability for the the ten, the seven, the eleven, and the nine to at any given point interchange positions and have it be seamless. Well, so, uh, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. So, so if Pulisic ever drifts into the middle, Brendan Brendan can go out wide, and it's not that big of a deal. Like there's, I'm, I'm going interchangeable roles in the attacking four players. It's absolutely. almost a, it's almost it's almost a four two four. Let's let's be realistic. Yeah. It's a four two four. Actually, it's a three. It's a Three two five because Serginio Dest is going to bomb forward as well. <laughs> Serginio Dest is going to be the next number ten at any given point. So <laughs> maybe not that, but skilled enough. No, yes, I, absolutely. Yeah, I, feel you. I feel you though with that same. I had that same kind of trio in the midfield um, with Adams and McKinney just playing next to each other, just yep. for the fact that the fullbacks getting forward. Those guys are good at covering ground. I actually debated on putting Adams in my back four. Because he can also play that right back position as well, but I think personnel wise, Reggie Cannon could probably fill that role, and Adams playing the midfield, Aaron doing what he does. Hey, there's no, there's no chance we can, uh, we can get Alfonso Davies to like 
not be Canadian and be American at this point, are is there? Because <laughs> if think we're talking Canada about, would have it. I don't Canada think Canada would. Like, yeah, Canada, Canada wouldn't like it. All right. So who are your uh, who are your midfield three, Anthony? Uh, so I, I again, Adams and McKinney, and I, I decided to go with uh, G Arena. Okay. Um, to be the ten. It was I went four or five podcasts ago. I I said this was a little more than a month ago. I said that every time I've watched Dortmund, Gio's looked a little bit lost behind Holland. And yeah. ever since then, I think he must have heard the podcast. I'm sure that's what exactly what it is. He has been on fire. And as a 17-year-old who still doesn't have a national team cap. I, I don't believe I can go back and check. He yes, the the highest he's been. I think he was with the U twenty threes. Yeah. Um. And I just think it's time to get this kid capped. Um. Oh, he's not- official and let him just absolutely dominate. He's not going anywhere else, right? Because his dad is like. Right. Oh, 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 of course. I. I just again. I. I <laughs> same thing with Chris Richards. Like. I want to get, get these in. guys involved and I want them to be the future for four world cups. The only, the only thing that worries me about him, And this is one of the reasons why I debated like, and I somewhat forgot, not didn't forget about him, but like I didn't put him in my starting lineup at the beginning because I watched him play in the U 17 world cup. I watched the entire U 17 world cup specifically to watch him for a lot of it. And I felt like he, that was the ability for him to be the guy. And I felt like he came up short in a lot of it. And at times I think his image, I think immaturity kind of played through. I think he's matured a lot since then. It's been a year and a half or so since that's happened. So I think, so I, at that he, level, I'm a, I, I don't know if he, but I, I'm, I don't he, deny the fact that he's really good. And I don't deny the fact that he'll be there and he might be there now. I just, considering I've watched him play with the, I don't know. I just what I saw in certain those in those moments with the U seventeen team, I felt like he just when he had the ability to be the guy, he he chose a different which, mindset of it. Which you know it it makes sense, uh, but I I think he was fifteen at the time, maybe yeah. just turned sixteen at the time. Yeah. You're also a product of who you're around. He's got great players surrounding him, so he doesn't have to be the guy. Uh, it, when you got Pulisic, uh, McKinney. Yeah. Uh, Adams, these guys, they're not going to require you to be the actual guy. Yeah. And maybe that's just a better role for him. No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. So, all right, moving into our forward line here. Oh, actually, hold on. Let's, let's talk about our subs here on the midfield. So I have uh, Frankie Maya, who I, I think is really good. I like yeah, him a lot. I agree. Uh, Paxson Pomichol. Uh, who I who I enjoy watching play as well. Uh, Paxson's a little bit of a different player. He's he's at, he's from he plays at FC Dallas. He's a little smaller. And Anthony Fontana, I think I think those three players can 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 serve a role somewhere. I don't have a natural holding midfielder to serve as a sub there, but I mean at some point you know we'll find somebody. Well, I'm, I'm all on board with Fontana since somehow we're related. I they, found out. Absolutely. But um, I, I got Aronson obviously as, as yep. um, one of my substitutes uh, in, in that attacking midfield role um, as well. So good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Gio and Conrad. I mean, I guess, Con- like, I guess in my I think Conrad could be a midfielder or 
Yeah, I, I have Conrad in my substitutes as well. Like we said, Cap de la Fuenta, but um, I, I I had him more of a, like a 7 or an 11. Yeah. yeah. All right, so moving into our, mo- our more attacking players. So I went, and again, that's, this is where I debated whether Gio was in or not. I want to go with Jesus Ferreira, uh, who plays also for FC Dallas. So I'm going FC Dallas and Philadelphia Union heavy on my team, but uh, who plays for FC Dallas. And again, he can serve those that dual role of being a seven, an 11, or a nine, all at the same. Like he can, he can serve multiple roles. He's got a little bit of the height to him. So he can serve multiple roles. Um, so I'm going with Ferreira and I'm going with Gio off the bench on that, like to, to kind of fill in again. I think Reyna can serve multiple roles. Doesn't necessarily have to play as a 10. He can play as a, as a seven and as an 11 or a 10. Uh, I'm bringing back somebody that's been off the radar that I've really always enjoyed watching. And that's Tim Wea. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think, for I, sure. think, I think Tim Wea needs to find his way back into the world. Um, of the well, in- US injuries kind of got to him a little bit too, right? Yeah, but I think you know he's back. He's back at Lille. Lille. He's back. In, in, he's playing. He's he's getting some minutes here and there. He's on the bench, uh, which is which is important for him. I I would like to find him. I think he'll. For me, he beats Sergeant for the for the starting for the starting nine, only because Sergeant I don't think is. Can, like he's a mixture between a nine and not a nine, but also not being either one or the other. I think Wea allows you to be a nine, or also play as a different position as well. But he's a true nine. Um, and Christian Pulisic, I think, is the captain of this team at this point, right. and he's uh, he's he's my start again, my eleven, but has the ability to fit into multiple roles. So I I uh, I went with obviously Pulisic as the seven and a captain. Um, I put Para, Paul uh, Ariola on, uh, on, on the other side, just because again, he's got a lot of experience and such a young team. I think it's wise to put a few players on the pitch with some experience. He's got 34 caps and I went with Josh Sargent. It's, it's, he's only started, I think three, of the caps that he's been in of the 12 caps and he scored five goals in those 12 caps. The guy yeah. knows how to score. Yeah. And, and I want that player on my team. I, I, you have to have somebody that's a nose for the goal. And, and I think he has it. Is he the perfect nine? Maybe not, but he, he seems to score at a 50% clip and that's good enough for my striker. Wondolowski. No, one allows you to stay home. Yeah, well, well, the other thing is Sergeant's 20 years old. Yeah, Wando is uh, like 45 years old at this point. Uh, all right. So I hyped, I, I really hyped Pulisic up because I just noticed that he was my starting seven and he was my starting 11. Oh, you trying to play, you're trying to play with 10 and just have Pulisic just be the I have Pulisic as, as a Superman. So um, I'm either going to cap. Gio with it with his first starting cap or Dela Fuente, it doesn't matter. One of them can start. Okay. Point toss, right? <laughs> My starting nine, uh, Jeremy Abobasi. He's been capped before. Um, I think when he got capped before, he's a little bit on the younger side. I think this year, like he's kind of been able to find form, score goals, be consistent. So I think he'll fit in as the number nine right now. And then we'll slide Pulisic either on the left or the right, wherever we don't put 
Gio De La Fuente. Gio maybe De La Fuente. We, maybe we we strap both <laughs> of them together and make them the uh, seven. Who do you have as your subs in that in that forward line? Uh, so I've got Josh Sargent and uh, Tim Weah as well. Okay. All right. Along with my 35 camp guys. And your 35 camp guys. <laughs> I've got some good – I got some good guys on my camp roster that the guys have been in the team. Kellen Acosta, Cameron Carter's Vickers. All right. I, I, all like, right. There's some youth in there. There's some guys that were in the team. Walker Zimmerman and, needs to be gone. You brought back Julian Green. All right. Okay. Just guys we want to see. Yeah. Hey, can you still perform? I mean, like Jordan Morris, maybe. He's what a about, tank. What about you, uh, Anthony? Um, I I think, I, and I only put five into my bench, yeah. but the only uh, difference I had was Tyler Boyd. Um, again, the 25-year-old. The few caps that I've seen him play, you know, he seems to make some things happen. Um, so I, I just, a 25-year-old, I wasn't ready to give up on, so. Yeah, I think 25 is like you're you're right in between. Depending on your situation, you still have time. Yeah. Right. All right. So I'm going my my bench in this part is deep. This is where my my the majority of my players are. So I got uh the George Mihalovic, who plays in Chicago, who I like. I think he's I think he's good. Uh Jeremy Abose. I think he's he's got to be in there somewhere. Sargent as another option because I think Ibobese allows you to play that multiple role, doesn't have to play just as a nine. Conrad De La Fuente, obviously, I think he has to start getting his caps in. And Gio Reyna again. But Gio can obviously play in that in that 10 role as well and can serve multiple positions. Ultimately, don't have really a replacement six. Uh, but if I need to, Gio can play in there with Aronson. And Tyler Adams or Weston McKinney and the other one can can sub each other out. I don't know. So I'll try to ask for I'll try to ask for the youth soccer sub rules since I can put them back in the same game. So I one thing like Anthony's got Brad Gazan as his backup keeper, but like who's the guy behind Stefan? I mean, right now you're looking at probably Matt Turner, who's the goalkeeper for New England Revolution. I think he's the only other one that could potentially do that. Clinton? Huh? Jonathan Klinsman? Who's that? Where's who's that from? Where's it? He's that... I think he's out in LA right now. Is he Klinsman's uh, son? son? Yeah. Oh my goodness. He's American. Oh, all right. I mean, I guess. Sure. No. I mean, considering that uh <laughs> Andre Blake is uh Jamaican and we can't get him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, I mean ultimately. Yeah, I know. I know. On my list, Brad Guzan unfortunately is not in that list. He's, He's on my list. There. That's it. He's on yeah, my. I list. I mean, if I need a goalkeeper coach, he might be on the list there. Like, <laughs> I think next week we come out with our eleven of guys that should not be in the team anymore. Over our over our over twenty seven list. <laughs> our our guys is we don't want to see in the national team anymore. Yeah, we can do that. I think we talked about doing that. We can do that too. Yeah, let's do it. Chris Wondolowski is definitely on that list. 11 guys you don't want to see in the national team ever again. All right. Perfect. All right. So we're moving on to the player of the match uh, award. So, Anthony, who do you have? So I went with Robert Lewandowski. Um, 
in a year that was so brutal for most, it was the exact opposite for this guy. Uh, so he was just named UEFA Men's Player of the Year. Just between 2019 and 2020 season alone, he won five trophies. He was the top leaguer, or top scorer in the Bundesliga, and he was the top scorer in Champions League. So well deserved. Munich was nasty this year, but you know he really, really makes that team go. So he's my man of the match. Dwayne, who do you have? Oh, Sebastian, you're gonna love this one. And I can already see your face, man. Yeah. Bohan Kirkic. Boyan. I love it. Ward a blazer the other days um, for Montreal Impact. So Bohan, he was what Ansu Fati was supposed to be, or is, right? He was he was supposed to be the guy for Barcelona at 17. Had to deal with some anxiety issues. Um, kind of got lost over the past, what, like 10 years? Yeah. Making a, <laughs> making a reappearance under Thierry Henry, who was his teammate at Barcelona. Yep. Now his manager for Montreal Impact. So he's my player of the match. Um, definitely one of my favorite players to watch back in the day. Um, just glad to see he's still trying to make something. So I'm going with Ansu Fati uh, because he scored three goals in two games. No brainer. In less than a week, not only did he score three goals, he scored three great goals. Yeah, the goal he scored yesterday, uh, receives receives it across his body, opens up with his front foot, and then just puts it away with the outside of the foot, just going like, you know what? Like, I'm already kind of past the post. Let me just tuck this in with the outside of my foot. No big deal. The simplicity in which he plays is outstanding to me. Um, and I have my doubts as to whether. Coleman is going to be able to do what he expects to do at Barcelona, but he's they're playing well, and I got to give it to him. Ricky Pooch was on the on the bench. Well, <laughs> he gave Ricky three options, right? Yeah, he could leave. You can leave. You can fight for a spot, or I forget what his third option was, or just train. I think right. it was the third option. He's fighting so, for I mean, Ricky, Ricky Pooch, man. Ricky Pooch is holding on strong. By the time Champions League rolls around, Ricky Pooch is going to put a nasty taco on Ronaldo. <laughs> I guess in the first Juve game, Ricky Pooch is coming in hot. You're calling it. Ricky Pooch is getting minutes in the Ricky Champions Pooch League. Is, Ricky, Ricky Pooch getting minutes against Juve. I'm calling it right now. One of those two games, He's Ricky Pooch is in. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's the first game. Well, you don't know what the schedule is yet. By that point, both Juve and Barca might be might be already through to the next round. So you're playing your bench at that last game. So maybe Ricky Pooch. So I'm, but I'm calling right now. I think Ricky Pooch is going to work really hard to get minutes in the Champions League this year. If it happens. I think it got tougher. With that desk signing, Sergio Roberto is now a midfield player. Yep. So that's just one more obstacle he has to climb. Yeah. It's all right. You can do it. I believe in him. That'll be my next goal in life. Meet Ricky, P- meet Ricky Pooch at some point. Just go. to be like, listen, man, we believed in you in Delaware before anybody else did. We're the only Americans. We talk about you all the time, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so we're moving on to the Fair Play Week. Uh, I think we all had the same the same idea here. Uh, what happened last night uh, in the San Diego Loyals game against Phoenix, uh, Landon Donovan 
pulling his team or his entire team deciding that they were going to leave before halftime when they were up 3-1 and that would have qualified him into the playoffs and ultimately forfeiting the games because of a homophobic slur that was uh, that was apparently said, allegedly said by one of the Phoenix players, uh, which caused an entire scene by the Phoenix coach uh, making some comments that ultimately don't belong on the field anymore. Uh, and Landon Donovan, who stands up and finally says, we need to take this off of our, out of our game. Like, this has to leave our game. This cannot be our message anymore. It needs to go away. This isn't just like, oh, well, it's part of the game. It's not. It's, it's, it's inappropriate. It has no business on the field or off the field. It has no business anywhere. Um, so credit to them. Yeah, I mean, like soccer is like, you know, the global sport, it's so diverse. you got people from so many different backgrounds, countries. You, you hear the success, success stories that kids have of, like, not having any meals and being able to make it to the pro game and things like that. So I think it's just a class act, and yet it does need to leave the game. Um, I know personally we've had, like, when I was a player, our team had had conversations on what to do. If a player says that we've actually had that happen to us, and we you know, our response was, hey, if this ever happens again, we're going to do the same thing Landon Donovan told his team to do. We're just going to leave the field. Like, there's just no place for it. Well, I think Landon Donovan makes it – that's the second time in, what, a week that they've done it? In a week they've had Yeah, that. They, they did it. They did it. And I think Don, so Donovan makes a point at the end of it and goes, if we don't walk off the field, it's really just all talk, right? It's all talk. There's no action being taken. Um there's it's basically you're saying like all right so we'll 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 do something at some point we'll make a statement we'll wear a shirt but then you're not following it up with any actions and you're using your platform to follow it with actions now obviously for him it's a little bit somewhat easier for him to do that considering he's like the coach and also like part owner or the full owner of the team so he has the ability to kind of make that decision and not have any sort of other ramifications behind him as well by the same time, that's using your platform. And this is not a player that didn't have his controversies when he was growing up, right? I mean, ultimately, Donovan wasn't known to be the calm, cool, collected guy when he was playing. He was definitely known for being the feisty one that if he got needed to get into a fight or an argument, he had no problem doing it. Um, but at the same time, I think it shows a sense of maturity and a sense of responsibility as a coach and as a leader, that's extremely important in this game. Absolutely. All right. On this day in history. So, Duane, do you know what an Olympic goal is? An Olympic goal? Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's known as an Olympic goal? Like how you qualify for the Olympics? Nope. I don't think it's a term that's used in in uh, – in, in at least in North America or or just in English in general, it's a term that's used in Spanish a lot. So what happens if you score off a corner kick? Do you know what that's called? Olympic, Olympia, Olympiaco. <laughs> well, it's an Olympic goal. I mean, it's basically that's what it comes down to. So do you know where it stems from? Yes, they're from the Spanish game in the Olympics. Mm, nope. <laughs> so in 1924, in October 2nd of 1924, the Argentinian Cesaro Onzari scores from a 
from the corner kick against Uruguay. Um, and that was just in a friendly. So Uruguay at that point had won the last Olympics and had beaten Argentina. So this was the game right after. So there was called an Olympic goal because they were it was that was the goal that scored that won the game against Uruguay in order to win the game, which was historic again again because Uruguay was very successful and ultimately Argentina wouldn't win an Olympic gold medal until 2004. So uh, so yeah, there you go, October second, 1924. We should make that our uh, FF challenge for the week. Scored an Olympic goal? Uh, well, I mean, we, we got one player that knows how to do it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you might have a lot of coaches that are upset when it happens because that's not what they drew up. Yeah. We got one team that we know we got a player that scored multiple of them. Yeah. You so look for sure. You see that parent's face and just like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just hands up. That little hands up emoji. That's what it is. It's a hands up emoji. There it is. All right. So make sure if you score an Olympic goal, make sure you uh, film it. So from now on, film every corner kick. So that way, just in case an <laughs> Olympic goal comes in. Uh, so make sure you follow us on Facebook.com slash Delaware Union. Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. On Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. 